Hi there. Welcome back to the Culture Vacuum Podcast. I'm your host, Samuel Pole, and with me as always is my co-host, Calvin. Hey, hey, we're back. It's it's the uh it's the podcast. As usual, this intro is very natural, and as always, I am I am right off the bat just nailing it. Nailing it hundred <laughs> percent. Thank you. I I appreciate that my co host is so uh willing to to prescribe me any amount of uh you know nuance in 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 my intros i appreciate that hitting it out of the park oh there it goes <laughs> it's gonna hit clearly you're impressed <laughs> it's gonna hit someone's car they're gonna be very upset oh man i almost want to ask to start it again but i don't have the pride i don't <laughs> i don't have the confidence it's going to be better than this <laughs> uh so today we're talking about technology things again Cut yes. Us, cut us some slack. There's a virus. <laughs> you want to know what's happening in media? Here's what's happening in media. The Disney Corporation completely restructured so that all distribution is handled by one entity within the company. And studio heads no longer have a say where their movies and projects and TV projects go. You agree, <laughs> if you're a studio head at Disney now and you greenlight a movie or a TV show... Um, you don't decide if it goes on Disney Plus or ABC or Hulu or the theaters. No, the, the, this one distribution entity says this TV show feels like a Hulu show. Sorry, <laughs> you meant for this to be a Disney Plus show. So here's, I'll be revealing a few things now. I didn't know first off that that was even a choice that studio heads had. I was, I probably would have been under the impression that distribution would have been done by some sort of logistics team, anyways. But now, presumably. The logistics team was on the studio heads, you know, under their management or something. But they yeah, just so lost up, that. up until now, so like d- distribution at Disney was like, like is it at any studio? It's like they cover the marketing and all that. But mm-hmm. now they decide the individual channels that a piece of content goes to. Whereas before, the Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, went to Kathleen Kennedy at Lucasfilm, Kevin Feige at Marvel, and mm-hmm. the other people under that under that company under that banner and he said hey i need all of you making things for disney plus and then kevin feige greenlit a billion marvel shows and kathleen (laughs) kennedy greenlit three star wars shows and with the intent that these shows would be produced under their supervision and then would go to disney plus now the change is and i think this is mostly going to affect movies more than tv shows because disney only has two places it can put tv shows um other than obviously you know selling it to someone else now, if you're Kevin Feige and you have a great idea for a TV show starring a superhero and you greenlight it, it's not necessarily guaranteed that show will go to Disney+. Plus. Someone else can say, we're going to take that show and we're going to put it on Hulu. It feels more like a Hulu show to us. Or they'll say, um, actually, we don't think this is a good fit for any of our platforms. We're going to sell this to NBC. Mm-hmm. And then It kind of feels like they're um, separating the 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 artist from from the process of distributing the art just kind of even more and and kind of almost making making it so that you are you're no longer making your project you're making a disney project and then once it's done disney's gonna decide if maybe it gets chucked into disney plus or maybe it gets thrown in the vault for a hundred years <laughs> or you know like what, what else, whatever South. ends up happening what is this <laughs> why is yeah, this man to a whistling extent, they they just wanted they it sounds like they just wanted that control back. I'm surprised they didn't have it and yeah, this this does not surprise me at all. I'm yeah. like this is this is probably the in terms of 
what Disney can do as a business, this would make the most sense. Like, why would you leave it up to just a random producer to decide where something goes? Like, See, like, and like I said, I think it's more to do with movies and TV shows. So, like, you look at something like an Ant-Man 3, where the Ant-Man movies, they do all right in theaters, but they're not, like, your billion-dollar guaranteed hits. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, Disney had the best year of a studio ever, and now they're hemorrhaging money because that's just how this industry works. Like, <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you just kind of like <laughs> you just said that like it was no big deal. <laughs> yeah, it's like because like you don't, believe it or not like movies don't make that much money relative to the rest of the Walt Disney Company. Movies are a tiny little they're the most important part, I'd say, but they actually aren't the moneymaker. The moneymaker at Disney is merchandising and theme parks. Mm-hmm. Um, th- parks makes more money in a month than the studio will turn out all year. I be- Wow. Or maybe it might be it might be three months, but yeah, like Disney Parks is the moneymaker. Make no mistake about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, if you're in charge of like the re- Bob Chapek, the new CEO, he was in charge of parks before he became CEO. Um, and like the guy who people thought would be the CEO, uh, Kevin Mayer, he was the guy who built Disney plus and he also oversaw acquisitions. So basically do you go with the old way of looking at the guy who oversaw the moneymaker or do you go for the new way of the guy who ran and built the thing that's going to be the future of the company? And Bob Iger chose Chapek who ran parks because that's the, the older part of the business. And then Kevin Mayer left to go run TikTok. <laughs> Okay. Uh, first off, and now he's no longer at TikTok. Oh well. Regardless, I think that was a smart choice on his part. <laughs> um, yeah. Secondly, the yeah when you I guess when you think about what most people are probably aware of, if you're online all the time, if you're younger, I don't know. Are people like are youths interested in going to Disneyland Park? Really? I, I feel like they're more connected to the Marvel films, anyways. And then maybe they're going to like I, see the Marvel rides and stuff, but yeah. I mean, I I can just I can just tell you though, Michael, you know Michael, and then Will, our other best friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've like basically made a commitment. It's it's like whoever, whichever one of us gets married first, we're doing our bachelor party at the Star Wars hotel that they're building at Disney World. Oh, okay, maybe okay. It has more appeal than I would have than I would have foresaw. Yeah, they're building a they're building a Star Wars hotel that's like a, a totally immersive Westworld type experience <laughs> where you're on a star cruise and you can crawl through secret vents and hear. The crew planning a mutiny, and you can hold. There's like a VR lightsaber thing. Dude, they're like, gonna they're gonna find your ass dead in one of those vents two months after. <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking suffocated. <laughs> yeah, no, I like and like there are people who live in LA and who they get the annual park pass for like fifteen hundred bucks or however much it costs. Oh my god! And they go to Disney like once a month or whatever, or every day if they can. So, so essentially, I've just been completely unaware of this hype for a theme park. Yeah. Wow. But but yeah yeah parks yeah parks is the money maker at Disney and parks have been shut down. Um, and the studio, which is a reliable moneymaker, but also, like, the studio generates the excitement for the Disney brand and increases overall attendance at the parks. Like, yeah. everything feeds into everything. It's almost like, just it, it, that's almost like when you're saying it almost doesn't matter that's not making as much money, because without it making the minuscule amount of money, it wouldn't then exponentially increase to that park 
you know, people going yeah. and attending the park. And, like, you you sell a family $50 worth of tickets to Black Widow, but they're going to buy $200 worth of toys. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, but be, yeah, so the entire machine there is stopped. And now they're doing this dramatic reorganization where it's like, Bob Iger already said that Disney Plus was the future of the company, mm-hmm. but the projection they made to shareholders is basically this is going to be a slow transition to when Disney Plus goes from being an investment from us to the new moneymaker alongside parks. How old is Disney Plus right now, just for reference? It's not even a year old. It'll be a year old next month. Wow. Yeah, so they're. I doubt they're making money now. I doubt they're going to make money for... Oh, no, so I believe they are because they... I think they projected they'd be profitable within two years, but that was based on subscriber growth. They've blown their subscriber growth projections out of the water. Oh. So Disney Plus is making... Yeah, so Disney Plus is actually making the money. I think I was and they're about to have... functioning off of that report. Possibly, <laughs> you might have yeah. told me that. Yeah, so the... yeah, I think they were. Yeah, I think they said by like twenty two, they were expecting to be profitable. But like their project, their growth numbers were very, very conservative, and they blew them out of the water within like I think they blew away their year one growth projections within two months or something like that. I would have, I would have guessed great excitement for a service like Disney Plus just because. You think about all the stuff people are watching anyways, the Marvel films, and then to a greater extent, even other types of films that end up showing up in theaters. And there's at least like a production connection or some sort of like producer. Like there's almost always a connection to Disney as a larger corporation for these huge like blockbuster pieces that people are seeing. So I'm not at all surprised people want that in their homes. And then like you also have Hulu, which is their big play against like an hbo max where it's like you know more general interest they have fx in there which is enormously valuable to that service like i'm watching the new season of fargo right now (laughs) fx Uh, could be a competitor to hbo max on its own in my opinion yeah if it just broke off (laughs) yeah yeah fx inside hulu makes hulu a much more compelling service like i have the new season of fargo that's airing right now it's terrific great show um and you look at Hulu and Disney Plus, like streaming is obviously going to be the future, but now they've just consolidated their entire distribution wing to just focusing on is this a good fit for Disney Plus or do we take the risk on a the- on a theatrical run? Mm-hmm. And like I think like you look at an Ant Man three, those Ant Man movies didn't do too well, but because you know they think hey this provides a service a value to Kevin Feige might greenlight Ant Man three. The distribution arm could say Ant Man three will be a will be a Disney Plus movie. Yeah, um, we we don't think it makes enough money to justify a theatrical run. We only want billion dollar movies going to the theaters now. Everything that we don't think is going to make a billion dollars, we put it on Disney Plus. Yeah, because cer- to a certain uh, and, extent, they're also just like saturating and taking money away from their own product <laughs> projects, just because of how many movies they they end up releasing in a typical year. They want to make sure that they're not just filling it with fluff. Yeah. So yeah, that's basically uh, what's been going on there. And like we saw similar stuff happening at Warner. Warner fired a bunch of people consolidating her on HBO Max. So like the pandemic has really just accelerated this intense focus on streaming services, which is not necessarily a bad thing, <clears throat> but it is it is un- because like this was going to happen either way. Mm-hmm. And like I love my, I love me some streaming content. And like we're getting to a point now where like some productions are able to start back up again and they exist in these bubbles. Uh, I have sources, not sources, you know, like connections and whatever um, in Atlanta of people who are related to various projects that are just happening at Tyler Perry studios because Tyler Perry say what you will about him and his movies. He's a very smart businessman. Mm -hmm. And 
I think it was two years ago, he built the largest studio lot in the world with like dozens of sound stages, massive sound stages. Each of these sound stages is state of the art. You can film any movie you could ever imagine on these things. And he also has cabins on this studio for people to live in. So they can now build bubbles at Tyler Perry studios to film any project they want to in Atlanta. That is impressively forward thinking. Yeah. Yeah. That like fixed the situation. He essentially created the NBA bubble. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I can't say exactly who is filming there, but like it's TV shows and movies you've definitely heard of and we'll be seeing and like, we'll be excited to see. So speaking of, um, of filming, uh, during the coronavirus, we, we've also heard about a, a new product that's not a new product, but an old product that's apparently been, uh, assisting with some of the filming as well. Great transition, Calvin. I'm giving myself a high five. <laughs> uh, which is, oh, I'll, I'll say it. It's the iPhone. <laughs> Oh, has the iPhone been shooting movies? Really? No, no, like TV shows and stuff, like um, like online programming and whatnot. Like I, I know some some like cooking shows and makeup shows and stuff like that. Oh yeah, they just yeah they just, they hook up iPhones there. Yeah, come on. <laughs> it's okay. It's on me for not catching. It. No, it's fine. I don't know. Here's the thing: I only had the skepticism because every time Apple's like professionals are going to love the iPhone, I'm like. There's like five movies that have been shot on an iPhone that people actually saw, <laughs> and three of them were from uh, what's his face, Ocean's <clears throat> Eleven Man. Yeah, and I think I, I and kind of like jumping off of that. I, I think what they've maybe found to a certain extent is that the type of content you shoot also decides whether or not you, it can be shot on an iPhone. And with the newest iPhones, I think they're trying to change that a little bit with the Pro line. But just, like, speaking generally, I think they more assume if you're, like, a, a news show or if you're, like, a, a makeup show or some some show where essentially you're just needing a static kind of medium shot that you want to crop in on every few seconds, iPhone's kind of perfect for that. Yeah. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, though. But, yeah, there was an Apple event. <laughs> uh, they announced five products, technically, really two. Yeah, they announced three products. Each of those, th- and then two of those products had a variant. Yes, does that make sense? Yeah, I think that works. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, let's start with the HomePod Mini because that's what they. I like to go in keynote order when we talk about this stuff. But the HomePod Mini, mm-hmm. it's a little, it's a little tiny speaker, very small. Uh, that you with with Siri in it. It's not very smart. Uh, but <laughs> imagine, imagine if they were like HomePod Mini with Google Assistant. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Just like straight face, no comment. Series dead. We've actually replaced it with Google Assistant. Google doesn't even know. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the HomePod Mini, like I think the HomePod is like it's the definition of like over engineered. Yeah, the original one is. Yes, I would agree. Yeah, it was where it's like it's a. But then it was a three. It was a three hundred and fifty dollars speaker mm-hmm. that they then permanently dropped the price to three hundred and. You can usually find it on sale for two hundred if you're paying attention. It, it was also um, made before I think home like smart tech had really found the right like size. If you remember, like the original Amazon Echo was also a very bizarre looking product. That I would disagree there. Like I don't think size has anything to do with it. It's just when all when you look. I think the biggest problem with the HomePod is it solved a problem that nobody had, <laughs> yeah. where like. 
people d- never bought an Echo or an Echo Dot because they liked the way it sounded. Like, you buy an Echo Dot because you need the smallest possible thing to control your smart home. Yeah. You buy a regular Echo because you'd like to listen to music occasionally and you need it to be a little bit louder and not sound as bad. But, like, the Echo was never a great speaker. The Google Home was never a great speaker. Mm-hmm. Um. And the HomePod was an was apparently an incredible speaker and had like all this great tech where like it could scan the room. You put it in the instant you plugged it in. It calibrated itself to the room, yeah. And then you just got perfect stereo sound. I think out of this one speaker when it came out, um, MKBHD a YouTuber a tech like YouTuber dropped a a review of it. And I remember being really freaking amazed at, like, how he was describing, like, how everything worked. I was like, this is, like, a really insane product. And then even in the review, he was like, this sounds super good. Um, But I I don't know. But what do you think kept people from buying it, ultimately? I think it was the price. um, And I I think the price is the biggest one. And then also, I think it was the fact that there was only one streaming service on it. Everything else, you had to airplay to it. Oh, um, and AirPlay. You could only use yeah. Apple Music through it? Yeah. And now they're opening up to new services, but they still don't have Spotify on there. And Wait, what did they open it up to? <laughs> Pandora. Um, there's three radio things and for like podcast. Yeah, so like you have Apple Music and Apple Podcasts are the two main services. Okay. And then there's like three different radio services, like TuneIn and stuff like that. What? And then <laughs> the only sh- music streaming services that they've opened up to it are pandora and amazon music who they haven't added spotify yet is that popular with any are either of those popular with any significant like who's using amazon music <laughs> i didn't even know that was I a don't. service it's 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 just another thing that amazon i, I have no idea how popular amazon music is <laughs> okay but, I, I but and pandora that feels like that feels like something that like your teacher played in in like the early 2000s while you were in study hall not like what you have on your phone in 2020 but yeah they re- no like they rebranded pandora a while back uh to have uh to be a real streaming service and uh i i know someone who did some work for them and i got and they shared their account with me, and I used it. And like, it's the worst streaming service I've ever used. <laughs> I was not expecting like, that conclusion. <laughs> yeah, like it's built around a recommendation algorithm. But like, if all you just want to do is like add some albums to your library and shit like that, it's awful. It's like hell to the nah. But like, that's what I remember only, about Pandora, right? Wasn't the it? only streaming service that's worse than Pandora is YouTube Music. <laughs> YouTube Music. If if you care about like curating albums and like looking at albums and it's youtube music is the worst thing ever like if you work on youtube music you should be in imba- you should be ashamed of yourself I, okay another thing i didn't know what is it paid like is it a paid service youtube music yeah it's in inc- yeah it's included with youtube premium which i have because ads on youtube are awful if it's included so with premium then doesn't it just make it youtube premium why is it its own thing it's a well because it's a separate app just for music ah, i hate which YouTube. is which is like which is neat, but no, like, it's not. <laughs> no, no, like if I want an, I do want an app just for music. Like it's the same reason you would pay for Spotify and YouTube. <laughs> yeah, Premium. but if all you're like, gonna do is at the end of the day just play a bunch of music videos, like I assume it's just a bunch of music videos, right? 
no no it's no you can use it as a music app without music videos but like there there is a dial where you can turn video on and off if there's a music video available for a particular song all right but it's not like it's not like youtube used to be where it's like people ripped music and then they put lyrics in front of it no like it, they actually licensed the music from the from the various labels all right anyways regardless all of these are unnecessary when spotify apple music and title exist and even title i'm falling off of I'm, i don't think i'm keeping up with that <laughs> yeah no one uses title calvin it's just no nah, i use it <laughs> do, you? do you i used to use it a lot more <laughs> i don't use it as much i'm I'm quitting I'm, I'm switching to apple music yeah so the the home pod yeah it only worked with apple music and siri and also like i said it solved a problem nobody had nobody had the problem of my smart speaker doesn't sound very good because they didn't give a shit (laughs) they bought it for a hundred dollars when it was on sale for prime day and now they have five of them around their house and it sounds fine yeah and like and sure the HomePod sounded great but like if you really care about good audio the only people who care about good audio are the people who pay to run speaker wire around their living room so they can have the ultimate stereo system with like custom amplifiers and preamps and phonos yeah. and a turntable and they probably pay like, for title too you know they're probably real exactly. real elite yeah <laughs> yeah like n- Nobody in the audiophile space cared about the HomePod because it only worked with one streaming service with low kilobit rate, with low bit rates. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like, so, but like the tech in it was very impressive. But now they have this HomePod Mini, which is a hundred dollars, which is the right price. Um, I would, I think they should also have a fifty dollar HomePod, but y- you can dream. <laughs> I but don't think that Apple would never do that. That's just. $100, that competes with the regular Echo and the new Nest Audio, which is their speakers that sound better than the little hockey puck speakers. Mm-hmm. Um, they do a pretty good job of sounding good, and they do smart speaker things. Yeah. That's what this HomePod Mini, ex- that's exactly what this thing should be. Um, but what they took out of it, they took out spatial awareness, which is the thing that lets it calibrate itself to the room. <laughs> they didn't need that. <laughs> it's good get rid of it (laughs) they took out i think it has fewer microphones too it's also just it's only two speakers instead of seven tweet it's two tweeters instead of seven tweeters (laughs) yeah unbelievable (laughs) yeah yeah it's two tweeters instead of seven tweeters and then the subwoofer is inverted so that it can make so it can distribute bass more evenly out of the box it looks kind of like it showed like a 360 wave kind of shooting out of it the the whole thing looks like a i i can't take credit for this i think mkbhd said it i watch him a lot it it looks like a uh like a pristine apple at a whole foods that's been like wrapped Mm -hmm. in that (laughs) that rubber thing (laughs) you know what i mean yeah (laughs) Totally. Yeah, like, I think I'm I'm very, like, let's assume they did as good a job processing audio with this speaker as they did the HomePod, and, like, it won't sound as good, but I, I would be willing to bet, having not tested it, obviously, mm-hmm. I would be willing to bet that the HomePod Mini sounds better than the new Echo and the new Google I was just about Nest to, yeah, I was, I was just about to say that earlier. I, I'm pretty sure when this releases, and I'm going to buy it, by the way, I have a spot for it. Up, uh, I want to put it up like on top of a, uh, uh, a a shelf near like the ceiling, so it can just like fucking send noise everywhere. But yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's gonna be one of the best sounding small smart devices you can probably purchase, most likely. Yeah, 
yeah, like if if the HomePod is anything to go by, this will be a very good sounding smart speaker, and it's priced right to where I think I can recommend it to people. Um, it still needs Spotify. That's it's ridiculous that this doesn't have Spotify yet. That is like, very surprising. I, like Apple Music's a good streaming service, but how does more that people use Spotify? How does it work? How do you decide? Like, who makes the decision on what streaming service gets added to the um HomePod? It's it's all deals. It's all deals. All um, deals. Amazon will let anyone in as long as you build a backend to your server. They just need an API. For, <laughs> yeah, Amazon has an open API. Google is deals based, but they'll basically make a deal with anyone. Um, and then Apple is just, they just wouldn't make a deal with you. No, you use Apple Podcasts and Apple Music. Fuck you. You know what, Spotify? You want anything else? Airplay. Spotify is what, Sam? Probably the largest competitor to Apple Music, though. Like, if we're being yeah. realistic. So I, I like, kind of understand. If it. your goal is to increase hardware sales, you should have Spotify on your speaker. What if your goal is to increase individual plan subscriptions? Then, yeah, it makes sense. But And I think, like, with Apple One, Apple One's going to lump more people into. That's what they announced at their last event with the watch. By the way, I'm also doing that. Uh, this is an announcement to all our listeners. I'm just, I am, this year, man, I am such a cuck for Apple. Yeah, Google, <laughs> friendship ended with Literally, Apple, it's, it's that right meme now. of friendship ending. <laughs> like, they, they have done me dirty for, I believe, Two, like a good two years now i had the one plus three and that was that was some good times man with the one plus three one plus five t also some good times and then i got the pixel three and then it slowed down after a few months and then they just didn't do anything with the new upgrade and you know what i'm done i'm done ios 14 yeah. looks dope <laughs> he's getting in on that life he's got that apple watch on order i do and i separated it from my fucking solo loop because i'm gonna get that too that's just how hard i flex <laughs> <laughs> yeah the uh yeah but it's like i think i'm also probably gonna get one because like i have a i have a sonos uh sound system for my home theater um the sonos arc it sounds amazing uh but i want to do surround sound rears and i have one sonos but to do rears you need a sonos one i have one of them in my bedroom and the HomePod mini is cheaper than a new sonos one sl so it basically saves me one speaker purchase to add rears to my setup if I get the HomePod Mini for my bedroom. Dude, the HomePod Mini just kind of seems like if if you are in the Apple ecosystem. Here, here's what I'll say, man. After watching what there's been three fucking COVID conferences from Apple essentially this year that we kind of watched. Um, if we go all the way back to WWDC, and it's just like. If you are a part of the Apple ecosystem, as opposed to all these other manufacturers, and I will say all kinds of bullshit about like, you know, hiring practices or where they get their work from or all, or you know, how they spend their money or all that. But speaking strictly to how they treat you as like a purchaser of their product, they treat you right in the Apple ecosystem, man. They give you like all these other various options and all this shit works well together. I, 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 I'm just like feeling really, really hyped about joining. Sorry, I, yeah. I just cucked all over the microphone. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, I think we're both going to get HomePod minis. And if, so moving on, they there were also, you know, the thing that everyone was looking forward to, new iPhones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that we saw for the very first time and hadn't seen for like, what, <laughs> six fucking months beforehand or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
But yeah, so we have iPhone, the iPhone 12. I'm gonna call it like I'm gonna go like the series. It's the iPhone 12 series. Yes. And there's the 12 and the there's the base models and the Pro models within the 12 series. Uh-huh. Uh They 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 started with the base models, of course. And like what I've always found interesting about the, the base model phones, especially now, is they've the Pro models. There's less and less distinguishment between them every Can year. Can I say one thing, and, Sam, that always shocks yeah. me year after year? They do not separate the chips that go into the Pro and the Base. That surprises me, I think, more than anything. Why would you not put I think some sort a, of... I think, it's, I think it's a supply chain thing. Like, it's easier. So, like, we know that the A14 architecture is going to be the base for every chip that they make this year. So... It, because they're not only making new iPad Pros, probably next th- those will come out in March. But like, there's there's going to be a new MacBook that runs on Apple Silicon this year, um, and so like any and also basically every product that Apple releases is going to be using the A14 architecture. It's probably cheaper to just use A14s on everything than it is to keep making an older chip that you're not using in as many places of your lineup. Mm. Okay, okay, that makes sense. And also like, there's a we we don't know until we like get it our hands on, but like it could be that the smaller twelve is clocked lower, so it saves battery. Um, so like it runs, it's the same chip, but its base clock is lower than the base clock of the Pro Max. Can we but can we talk about boost. how if that is true, Sam? Let's pretend that's true. It means that a low clocked A14 is faster than anything, <laughs> anything yeah. else on the market. <laughs> Like, like apparently by far. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, like, Apple consistently has a two-year lead, just in terms of, like, pure computing power, but, like, c- clock scores and, like, uh, Geekbench, like, that's not really the story of these chips anymore. Like, no. yes, they are faster CPUs and GPUs, but the story with these Apple chips is everything else. It's the neural engine, it's the machine it's learning It's the software cores. magic. What, what can you do with that power? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like it's yeah. Who cares that the A14 is twenty five percent faster than an A13? What really matters is that it the neural engine is can do so many more computes per. No. Cl- what what really so matters is you can finally compete in league. Yes, <laughs> with the power of Verizon five G, no less. <laughs> Guys, I, I don't know if you heard about this, but the most important thing about the iPhone is not the MagSafe, is not the new design, it's not uh, it's not the new colors, it's not any of that. What it really is is 5G. <laughs> that was fucking embarrassing. Like, I was really liking this conference, and then they brought on Hans Vesberg. Just some guy <laughs> who's not part of Apple. I'm like, this guy isn't even an employee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Hans Vesberg. He's forget where he's from. Verizon worked on some. He worked on some European telecom, and then Verizon hired him as the CEO because they needed a a John Ledger type to run the company. Uh, But (laughs) and he and he stood on stage, and literally all he was saying is five G is real. It was so boring. And 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 you know what? It's. you're, here's my problem, man. Like that is that is damn interesting to to me to like a telecommunications tech guy nerd. I think it's super dope that you can like have mass gigabyte like you know per second speeds out like on the fucking street. Like that's cool, but don't like scream at me for ten like twenty plus. It felt like an eternity of like just beating it. We get it. It's, it's not a prank. 
It's not a prank we're playing on you. 5G is real. Yeah, like, like they, literally, they like they were pulling one over on <laughs> Yes. Here's your very quick explanation of what 5G is. Okay, there's two types of 5G. There's sub-6, which means sub-6 gigahertz. Um, sub-6 5G. Sub-6 5G is a huge range of spectrums, um, but the spectrums that are included within it are basically like, they have bandwidth and speed comparable to Wi-Fi. Yeah. So this means that if you're on a sub-6 5G network, you're going to be getting speeds that are, like, comparable or faster than 4G, but they're going to have more bandwidth overall. Yeah, and that's kind um, of, if so, you think about where Wi-Fi sits to between, like, either a 2.4 or 5 gigahertz signal, you're only really expanding that slightly as well, so that's kind of where the bandwidth limitations yeah, so, come in. Yeah, Wi-Fi 6, is more, Wi-Fi 6 is more about the tech under the tech that's operating the router yeah. than the actual bandwidth. Like Wi-Fi 6 broadcasts at the same frequency as Wi-Fi 5, but the the technology and the radios is what's important there. So with sub-6 5G, you're going to get faster speeds than LTE, but they're not going to be dramatically faster. But the bigger difference with sub-6 is that it's just, you'll have way more bandwidth. So like if you remember when 4G first launched, if you had a, an early 4G phone, and I think I did, the the speeds were, imp- were very impressive. Mm. But... As more people got 4G phones, the network slowed down and 4G basically became, you can do anything and it'll take a little bit. Yeah. This will be, you can do anything, it's going to go a lot faster, and the network can have more people on a single tower <coughs> without things slowing down. And that is that is a noticeable improvement, so the, but it's not these mind-blowing, life-changing, doctors will be able to perform surgery <laughs> from 100 miles away. <laughs> That bu- that bullshit that the five G commercials talk about. God, I love that. That fucking that doctor's like. Imagine like a doctor just sipping wine in his bathtub, and then he's doctors like, "Doctors can get cat scans on their phone because doctors aren't already overworked." <laughs> don't you? Hate, doctors will never have a lunch break again. Don't you hate when you're home and you can't like access work materials? <laughs> <laughs> don't you hate how you there, you have like a break from your labor? <laughs> This fucking, you just hate that. Sometimes I think about like the culture at not even like necessarily we're going I'm going off on a slight tangent. Not even necessarily my own office, but like just American work in general. And it's so like what, you're gonna take a break like a bitch? <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna like relax for a day. <laughs> what a loser. God, you you monster. What are you a leech on society? <laughs> The stock market is down 0.01% work, you say. <laughs> Anyways, now, the great transition back to the to the iPhone 12. We're done with 5G. What's, what else is interesting? We got... Well, sorry. There, there's one more part of 5G. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. The this ultra-wide. Is the, this is the part that's funny to me. Is So, the United States, we are pathetically behind on sub-6 Dude, rollout. we're behind and on sub-6 all infrastructure. Like, all of it. Yeah. <laughs> but sub Sub-6 rollout in particular, like, sub-6 is the important part of 5G. It's the part that will make overall mobile networking better, but it's not the sexy part. Because, like I said, sub-6 is faster, but it's not hugely Obal- faster. Mobile networking for the past, in all of its ex- existence up until this point, has always been inconvenient to a certain extent. And we've always preferred Wi-Fi because of that inconvenience. Yeah. So, like, yeah, so sub-6 will make cellular better, but it's not going to change the world. It just won't. But Europe, they actually have done a very good job rolling out 5g and they've only focused on sub six and their now yours are fireproof <laughs> <laughs> and now if you go to europe um the speeds are dramatically faster and it's more reliable and everyone's enjoying european 5g networks apparently they're great yeah. people love well them. guess what they're also fucking um, globalists so <laughs> enjoy that you fucking 
The other part of 5G is millimeter wave 5G. Millimeter wave, where sub-6 is anything below 6 gigahertz, millimeter wave 5G is 24 to 60 gigahertz. Yeah. Um, and that means there's way more capacity for data, way more capacity for bandwidth. The problem is, because of this thing called physics, yeah. millimeter wave... 24 gigahertz wavelengths and 60 gigahertz wavelengths and like anything in between they're they like think. obstructed by, they're obstructed by fucking paper like you if you like wanted to pull a prank on Verizon just like build a bunch of like paper lanterns and put them around sub uh, millimeter wave towers and you would cripple the Verizon 5G there's just, network there's just like, a guy on his knees in front of the tower like why why did you do that? and it's just yeah. like he's staring at a bunch of paper lanterns yeah, or just like you yeah, get a bunch of your friends in front of a five G tower and just like form a circle <laughs> around them. You will interrupt the, the the millimeter wave network for the entire it's, block. It's a like, little bit hilarious. It's kind of like um when when we got the five gigahertz uh, Wi Fi in more routers, but then we started realizing we had to stand closer to them, and we were like, oh, this is a bit odd, but I'm sure it won't like extend any further <laughs> in the future. Yeah, and like that's what yeah. Now then we have mesh networks to extend the five gigahertz stuff. Exactly, but like. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so millimeter wave, but millimeter wave is like, you see, like, all these Verizon, Verizon's, like, been paying a bunch of influencers to do speed tests and be like, oh my god, look, two gigabit per second download on my speed dude. test app. That's fucking <laughs> look at, crazy. Look dude. at me, look how many yeets I can dab with. <laughs> yeah. And, like, that's, it's a lie, basically. Like, yes, if you go to a specific street corner in Manhattan with a direct line of sight to the tower and you do a speed test, you'll get that speed. And, yeah, you can download a movie in 10 seconds. Cool. But <laughs> all, the, all the movies people are downloading to their phones, by the way, right? As we, yeah, as we know. Yeah, like, again, like, that's why I think sub six is more important because most people stream things. So yeah, you should do what you can to make streaming video better. Millimeter wave won't do that. That's Between... so fucking hilarious. The, the idea of someone being like, don't you want to download a 4k, the lighthouse on your iPhone? Like, isn't that what you like you need right now? No, I'll just fucking stream it when I get home. Like, what? Yeah. I'm gonna watch yeah. It if here. you can, sh- yeah, if you can stream on sub six, yeah, sub six is going to be better streaming than 4g, millimeter wave will too but it's not going to be noticeably better than sub six if you're just streaming video yeah because there's plenty of bandwidth on both parts of 5g what they should also have in those commercials is just a fucking like lightning port to a uh, spinning hard disk drive yeah (laughs) you should watch mkbhd's video about it because like he tests millimeter wave out in that and he literally goes around a corner and his speed gets cut in half or they or it throws him back to 4g (laughs) that's fucking hilarious (laughs) yeah and so where, where millimeter wave does make sense is like stadiums and stuff like because it used to be like you go to a stadium you can't even get a phone call out yeah. or a text message because just the cell tower is so cramped because there's fifty thousand people in and one then space. when everyone's bringing their own devices in sometimes people are shooting out bluetooth sometimes people are shooting out god knows what kind of radar like all this noise can create just a horrible situation for trying to get any sort of perception essentially yeah so if you set up a bunch of millimeter wave towers around the circumference of a stadium then yes, everyone's going to have very fast speed in the stadium. They'll be able to text and call or send photos and more to than that, or whatever. You can like- start having like fucking specialty stadium AR and fucking all this sort of shit that can yeah. interact with the game, and- which is sort of like for- forward thinking. But like that's kind of the future of, of where I believe that. And sort that of tech will be c- and that will be cool, no doubt. But it's not going to be 
again, like, oh, cool, I can go to a stadium now and text a video of the really cool play that I was on the sidelines for to my son back home. Good. Cool. <laughs> to my son. But that's... Again, you're not going to be doctors will be able to form telemedicine. Telemedicine is the future of 5G. No. <laughs> Pretty just soon, give the doctors a good internet connection. You're going to be able to call your doctor at 3 a.m. and wake them the fuck up. <laughs> hospitals have 10 gigabit networking. Like, hospitals are fucking fine when it comes to internet connection. They do not need 5G. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, but I'm just don't worry. About... But five G is real. You should buy an iPhone for Verizon five G. Yeah, no, it's it's yeah. They... Just hang out. And here's the funny. <laughs> here's the funniest part. Of, here, but here's the funniest okay. part of this to me. Okay. All the iPhones. There's also a, a, a smart data mode, which yes. basically is the phone determines when a five G network connection is required which is downloading a movie or downloading a big app yeah basically um the phone determines when that connection is required and then it will turn but when it's not required it turns you back to 4g Mm -hmm. and the reason it does that is because qualcomm's current generation of 5g modems are stupidly energy inefficient they're just if you're connected to 5g persistently your battery is dead (laughs) um can I just turn it and, off? Like, to a certain extent, I have a feeling you're going to have people who are just like, what? we don't need it yet. I don't need it yet. It doesn't really work that well. It's not supported in my area. And when I do use it by fucking accident, my cell phone fucking burns out. <laughs> yeah. If I do get a new if I do get a new iPhone, I'm probably going to turn the 5G There's off. There's no point. I don't even know what it's like. I don't even know what it's like in Austin. I don't like I'm on T-Mobile, so I would only have access to sub 6. T-Mobile does have a sub 6 network, but they're like they haven't rolled out the fast parts of sub 6 yet. Yeah. So until that happens, T-Mobile 5G isn't really that much faster than LTE. Here's what I'm so going to I might just turn it off. I, I'm going to wait for the reviews to come back on how that the the software deciding when to turn off 5G. If it actually works and it's like keeping people from, you know, busting their their iPhones in a day, then I'll probably turn it back on. But yeah, it's it's incredible how like they they have to tell you, they have to warn you in the selling of their product that there's a feature enabled to keep that that other feature from destroying yeah. the phone you buy. <laughs> and here's the thing like Apple caught a lot of shit for taking a year off of 4G. Uh, when 4G was first rolling out, the iPhone 4S was expected to be 4G, and Apple said, no, we're not doing it. And they basically were like, 4G and 3G, they're still pretty close in terms of speed and performance, and we believe this phone with this modem performs fast enough on 3G that you won't notice a difference if we put a 4G modem in there. And they got a lot of shit for it. But then the next year when the iPhone 5 came out, that had 4G in it, like real 4G, and uh, it was fast and it was very power efficient because they waited until the technology was ready. The technology is not ready right now. I don't think they really should have done 5G this year. They also, I, I feel like in terms of what they were talking about with the product and all its features, I don't know if they needed 5G. The best case I've I've heard for it's like, yes, 5G isn't ready yet, but there are people who are going to buy a phone this year regardless. You want them having the best technology possible mm-hmm. because they're going to hold on to that phone for five years. You don't want them buying a phone next year just because 5G is ready in 2021. Is um, anyone going to be buying and, a phone for 5G in even the next two years? I I have doubts. Yeah. I just... We don't know when Qualcomm's going to get their shit together on 5G modems. It could be never. We know that Apple is working on their own 5G modem right now, but oh. we don't know when that's going to be ready. 
So, because, like, they, they try to have Intel build 5G for them. Intel couldn't do it. So they literally acquired Intel's modem team. And they bought Intel's entire modem business from them. Wow. And now they are working in-house on building an Apple modem. We don't know when that's going to be ready. So we're going to be stuck with shitty, energy <laughs> inefficient Qualcomm 5G modems until Apple can get one, make their own that's good. Yeah. My guess is, I don't know, two years? It seems like it would take a Maybe. while to make that. Maybe. Like, we really don't. I don't even know if there's a timeline on when we can expect it. But, yeah, 21, 22 is when I would hope we could have it, but I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so 5G. Don't buy an iPhone for 5G. Buy it for the other stuff we're about to talk about. Yeah. But 5G is not real. 5G is a fucking lie that the American carriers have completely fumbled to deliver on. <laughs> it's not even convincing. <laughs> yeah. 5G is real. So one of the... um. One of the things I thought was super interesting is they finally did something that I think Android phones have been doing for nearly, I want to say 10 years. I know that's not correct. Probably, I'd say five with confidence. And that's finally including an OLED panel in their base model. (laughs) Yeah, that was nice. That was just, I mean, it was, personally, I did not expect it just because I've known them for their, I would say, best in class LCD panels for so long. Um, yeah, and their LCDs, their LCDs were good, yes. um, but it is very nice to have OLED here. But yeah, so the, the OLED panels in the iPhone 12, they're very weird because they have the same typical brightness as the iPhone 10 and the 10s, which is 625 nits. Mm-hmm. Um, the iPhone 11 Pro and Pro Max and the iPhone 12 Pro and 12 Pro Max have an 800 uh, typical brightness, but the... 12s have the same peak brightness as the 11 pro and the 12 pro so that's the 12 basically for hdr yeah and they have the same contrast ratio which makes me think they're they have the same like color accuracy and stuff like that so as far as i can tell these are the exact same oled panels or at least the same like type of oled panels in terms of calibration but apple bought slightly cheaper panels for the 12s that have lower typical brightness yeah um will you notice 175 nits i don't know i have an 11 pro it's very nice but it's still kind of dim outside so i don't know how much worse it could really be if i get a regular 12 not a 12 pro i feel like you would have um maybe noticed something if the panel had been lcd and and that had been the difference but yeah bringing them both to oled with that brightness difference i even even side to side i doubt there's there's, there's going to be much of a discernible difference past like just just literal peak typical brightness they're both and they're calling both these displays xdr so it means like the colors should be amazing on both of them hdr movies and stuff should look amazing on both yeah. of them I, do you think uh, like the- iphone users who have been used to getting lcd based iphones are going to be surprised by this bump up when they receive their phones um I would say in typical usage, no. The only time, like, where my phone display blows me away is when I, like, I watch Blade Runner 2049 on it because I I have a nice OLED TV here, and I watch Blade Runner on my – and I put Blade Runner on my TV, and I put it on my phone, and I hold them next to each other. And, like, the phone looks exactly like the TV in terms of, like, color accuracy and stuff like that. Wow. And, like, the – like, these OLED panels are incredible, but how regularly are you consuming 4K HDR content on a phone? Yeah, so, like, yes, they're incredible panels, but do you really notice it? Probably not. But, like, yeah, if you, like, take a photo 
then yeah, that photo is going to look better than ever on that OLED panel because it's perfect color accuracy. Contrast is amazing. It can do HDR so you can see how bright and natural the light scatters on your photos. Yeah. Um, so I'd say like, yeah, photography, when you're like looking at your own photos on your phone, you'll notice it. When you're watching movies, you'll notice it. But like in typical web browsing, you're not going to notice You're it. probably going to hear that a lot from us in, in this explanation. Um, the difference between the pros and the bases having a lot to do with photography. <laughs> yeah 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 photography is really the big difference and so like yeah so the 12 it comes in two sizes uh it comes in 6.1 inches which is the same size as the 11 but it's an oled now yeah. that's that's the first um six inch phone plus phone i think i've ever had i, I don't think i've ever bought a phone this large so that's going to be interesting yeah and the 12 mini which is 5.4 inches uh if you have anyone in your life with an iphone 8 or an iphone 7 or an iphone se uh, SE uh gen one the- i should say probably no, 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 SE Gen 2. Even SE Gen 2? No, no, that's, this is about this. The, oh, you're comparing the size. The iPhone the size. 12 mini. I see. In ter- yeah, in terms of size, the iPhone 7, 8 SE body, it's about, it's it's slightly smaller than that phone, but it's all screen. What's, if you want to get an idea of what that size is like. What's kind of funny about the name mini is the fact that it it, it is larger than the iPhone 4, isn't it? Yes, it's still physically <laughs> bigger than that's an kind of like. But this is what we're marketing now as our mini smartphone. Wow, <laughs> just like, things have changed so much. Yeah, I can compare it to an iPhone, like first gen iPhone SE. Let me put it next to each other. Um, do uh, yeah. So the first gen iPhone SE, which is the iPhone five body, mm-hmm. that is four point eight seven inches tall. The 12 mini is 5.2 inches tall. So, yes, it would be larger than an iPhone 4. Uh-huh. Um, wow. And it's, it's 0.2 inches wider. I'm going to do millimeters because millimeters are better. Uh, yeah, it's about 6 millimeters wider than the iPhone 5. Um, it's thinner than the iPhone 5, which is crazy because the iPhone 5 was a super thin phone. <clears throat> and and both of these phones yes. are essentially – it's kind of funny. They're, they're the exact same phone, essentially, save for the diagonal, right? Um. Yeah, so yeah, they're yeah, they're diagonally smaller, but yeah, same processing power, same even RAM. same dimensions on all the other axes essentially. No, no, it's narrower and shorter. Because that's how size works. Oh, I suck. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to change the laws of physics. You know how I do that from time to yeah. time. Yeah, if you sh- if you shrink the diagonal, the the height and the length and width. No, 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 no. <laughs> I took, listen, I go to the, I don't go to the book learning schools. All right. I go to the, what kind of, I don't, I don't read the I books. I go to the school of hard, I go to the school of hard knocks. <laughs> I don't I go, go to the school of hard knocks. I don't go to the, the let's read the book school. <laughs> well, I don't go to the streets of book school. What are you, some kind of Frenchman? No, I go to the school of hard knocks. It's just like. I love how reality has become our memes. <laughs> just kind of <laughs> just quoting what the president said. <laughs> Anywho, but, but yeah, Sam, Sam's right about about how uh, how lengths work and, yeah. and widths and whatnot. He's he he's been he's been practicing a lot. I really appreciate the hard work he put in in understanding architecture. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they have yeah. So they have OLED screens. They have this beautiful iPad Pro like design with the squared edges. Oh my god, I'm so excited. Save for the Touch ID. Damn it. Yeah, that would be touch ID and the home button would have been very sorry, the sleep wake button. That would have been nice. Yeah. With the pandemic. Part of me is like, I'm such an idiot. Part of me is like, maybe I'll open the box and it'll come in an update. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm gonna yeah, so, I'll be treated that well. No, fuck no. It's not coming. 
but other than that, though, like, I think the 12, like, just like last year, I think the 12 is the one you should get. The 11, yes, the 11 didn't have as nice as, nice as screen, but it had the same wide and ultra-wide cameras. Are you speaking about series Pros. right now when you say buying the 12? Like, you, you mean the 12 and the 12 mini? I mean, the yeah, the 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 base and the Pro models. But, yeah, I think the, the base models in the 12 series, those are the ones you should buy. The only Pro you should get, we'll get into it, I think, is the bigger one, the Pro Max. Oh, and real quick, um, um, something that I don't think anyone even knows about quite yet is how this uh, new uh, durable display is going to affect stuff. I feel like durability sometimes affects things like color and viewing angles and stuff. So that should be, in my opinion, that should be kind of interesting to see. Yeah, they can't call it, they can't call it glass anymore, the front the front panel it's because there's ceramic inside of the glass which is something i didn't um, even know you could fucking do like, that's kind of dope oh yeah no like it's glass is all chemistry really like it's like how do you adjust what kind of chemicals do you put into the sand when you're heating it and then cooling it and stuff like, like this the shit that goes into glass is crazy Dude, i love how like witchcrafty and just normal science can be sometimes <laughs> just like mixing potions and shit yeah so they have this this new like front panel technology called ceramic shield and they say it should be more drop resistant they didn't say anything about four times resistance. more four times more drop resistant go ahead try us <laughs> yeah they didn't say more scratch resistant however ceramic is typically very scratch resistant so i would imagine there's some improvement but the fact that they didn't mention it makes me worry that maybe scratch resistance is the same or worse i don't know they didn't which... they didn't really mention wide color p3 either i feel like you know, sometimes I think they try to be very simple and kind of get yeah. like really catch catchy terms in your head, so you remember drop resistance four times. That's really easy. So I could see them yeah, just not I'm sure, thinking like, to mention it. Yeah, like Jerry rig everything. You know, he's obviously going to take his most hardness picks and scratch this the shit out of this phone. <laughs> the iPhone 11 Pro, though, like the front of my phone, when you like wipe the fingerprints away. There's so many. It's not, like, unbearable. And, like, when the screen's on, I don't notice it. But, like, if you're, like, just scratching the screen, like, you just you, – your thumbnail comes across a, uh, a a micro scratch on the screen. Like, this thing, like, yes, if you drop this phone, the, the 11, it's very drop-proof. But it's still it – basically, the way that glass chemistry works apparently is, like, it's basically a TikTok. You can only improve scratch resistance or drop resistance – and if you improve one, the other kind of has to stay the same with your with your chemistry. What? It's very weird. That's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's bizarre. I don't know why, but... I've never heard of anything sure, working like that before. I'm sure Ceramic Shield Gen 2 will increase scratch resistance, and they'll love to tell you about yeah, it. Yeah, they'll do, they'll do something. I, I, I'm, I'm excited, man. I have to say, so it's, it's probably pretty obvious from the way I'm talking, but... As And I want to say this now just because, in my opinion, the iPhone 12 was probably the most interesting product they actually talked about. Um, but th- as someone who has been with Android for so long, this is – I am – what is Google doing? <laughs> yeah, the, the Pixel 5 is just a dud. It is amazing seeing this product. It's, and then I don't... more so than the product, the product line. Like, because mind you, we have what? The SE at the bottom, then the 10R, then one of the 11s is still being sold, right? And the regular 11. The regular yeah, 11. The cheap. And then the 12. And it's just like when you have this much offering and an integrated holistic software that covers the entire ecosystem, like, what? I, I don't know. I have to imagine that Android has just got to be on its last like legs here. Like I can't be the only person who did, saw this phone and was like, I'm done. <laughs> like, yeah, there's no point. I shouldn't be. I'm buying yeah, a new phone every Google... year because my last one slows down so fucking much. 
Yeah, Google tried to offer an alternative to Samsung, and they utterly failed. Samsung is just, they they could not take them off the top of the throat. If they had sold the Pixel 3 at fucking, like, 600 or 500 or something reasonable, I could see them have yeah. turning that ship around and improving a product line in the mid-range to be a great Pixel line. But their insistence on creating a premium product that ha- used last year's fucking system on chip or whatever, <laughs> you know, like, it's just... I can't. So, like, they were always like they were always like they had the same Snapdragon chip as everyone else and stuff like that. The problem with the Pixel is like the hardware wasn't as nice as it could have been, and it was and it cost the same as everyone. They were else's. like low on RAM. Like, they were using low megapixel count for for a while. It didn't matter because their software magically made up for their hardware limitations in terms of the camera. But I think you want to hear something. You want to hear something crazy? Yeah. The wide lens on the Pixel Five is the same lens, sorry, not the lens, the sensor. The sensor on the wide camera on the Pixel 5 is the same sensor they use in the Pixel 4, which is the same sensor they use in the Pixel 3, which is the same sensor they've used in the Pixel 2. (laughs) The the only improvements Google has made this entire time since Pixel 2 has been in their software algorithm. They've never upgraded the sensor. And I know Apple's doing something slightly similar, but I don't think to that extent, right? Like, Yeah, Apple... So when when Apple does that, they do it year to year. So, like, let's get into the cameras because this will sort of, like, transition us into talking about the Pro phones. But, like, so the 12 and the 12 mini have the exact same camera system. Um, They upgraded the wide camera, which is, like, the main shooter. They upgraded the main shooter this year over the 11 series. It lets in more light. Um, They tweak the lens systems a bit. Um, And overall, it's an objectively better sensor to use, but we still need to see how they use it. The ultra-wide camera, which is the other camera that the 12, the base models have, that, as far as I can tell, is completely unchanged from last year in terms of, like, sensor and lens, and the only improvements they've actually made to it are completely in software. So, like, um, I have a tw- I have an 11 Pro, and, like, I did a bunch of shooting when I first got it. Um, the ultra-wide camera on the 11 Pro and the 11, like, it's a fun camera to use outside, and I did enjoy using it, but... If you didn't have enough light to give that thing, you could tell it was an inferior camera. Mm-hmm. The main shooter on the 11 series was incredible. Like, just no complaints. One of the best cameras I've ever used. I took a bunch of pictures of my cats the other day. Still blows me away how good uh, the 11, how good the photos on the 11 are. Mm-hmm. Adding more light to that main sensor, it's only going to make it better. But what's interesting is it looks like all the changes they've made for the ultra wide camera this year, it's all software based where they're just leveraging that new chip and their new smart HDR algorithm, which they're calling smart HDR three. They're just leveraging smart HDR three and the processing power to improve that ultra wide. And I'm very interested to see what they can do just in software. Where do you think the ultra wide was lacking most like in picture clarity and color? It was, yeah. So like, uh, it was a bit fuzzy around the edges, so, like, the focus was very center, yeah. and around the edges of the frame, it was, like, fuzzier, and also just, like, it needed a lot of light to put out a good image. Um, if, if you if you wanted to take, you just shouldn't have taken an ultra-wide photo indoors, mm-hmm. and they're saying that the ultra-wide camera now is actually pretty good for indoor use because, and they're only talking about software, they're saying because of Smart HDR 3 and our deep fusion, whatever, whatever the ultra-wide camera's indoor low-light improvement is very good. Yeah. They don't say indoors, but, like, if they say low-light, they mean indoors, because realistically, like, the ceiling lights in your apartment aren't actually enough light for a camera, and you need to 
lean on software to compensate for that. You need light from the window and stuff like that to actually get a good photo when you're inside. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see like just how much they are able to improve with this HDR3. And then two, if HDR3 is limited in its compatibility with the iPhone line to p- determine on like the chipset. Yeah, so like if A14. I, I can just tell you, they're never going to bring smart HDR3 they're just to not gonna the do iPhone it. 11. They could like the A13 is no slouch. It's not like you put smart HDR3 on that camera and you burn the phone. No, it's the A13 is a perfectly fine phone chip. It can absolutely handle this new algorithm, but they're just keeping it on the 12 phones. All right. And then with the when you go to the pro phones, they have the telephoto. And again, for from the 11 pro to the 12 pro, as far as I can tell, they haven't changed the telephoto camera, which is not necessarily a bad thing because the telephoto telephoto cameras on phones up until last year were usually pretty bad. Um, they just were lower quality. They had they weren't very good in low light. Every they never got you much of a focus have. either. I think I think most people, especially like non iPhone phones, tended to focus on the main shooter and then just add the other cameras to make the phone appear more premium. Essentially, just like ooh, this yeah. phone has four cameras. But yeah, the the 11 Pro telephoto camera, it was the first time I've ever said that a telephoto camera was good. And, like, I took some photos of my roommate. Uh, we did, like, a photo shoot around the park in Austin. And one of the shots I did was, it was, like, a, a basically a, a a portrait photo of her where just, like, you know, basically close-up, shoulder, head. I took it with the wide, and I took it with the telephoto. And aside from the telephoto being a little bit more distorted on the center because the subject wasn't close, was closer in focus, mm-hmm. um, the color, the skin tones, the uh, the detail, everything else between these photos was identical. It blew my mind. <laughs> that's what you want. That's um, perfect. Yeah, that's exactly what you want to see. They basically they reached parity between the telephoto and the wide, which is the first time I've ever seen that done, and I was very impressed by that. And that's so, very Apple too to wait on a feature until it's like you know nice. Okay. Yeah. So if you just leverage the algorithm, you can only make that telephoto camera better. But on the 12 Pro Max is where things get weird because the 12 Pro Max it still has the same ultra wide as the other three phones, mm. but the wide camera is a i need to drop the wrong ones okay so yeah there's the the 12 pro max has the exact it's it's not the same sensor it's the same aperture but the on the 12 pro max it has a bigger sensor so the space between the pixels is larger even though they're both 12 megapixel uh they're both 12 megapixel um sensors with 1.6 apertures Mm -hmm. but on the 12 Pro Max, the pixel, it's a larger sensor, which means the pixels are farther apart, which means the 12 Pro Max lets in way more light than the 12 Pro, the 12, and the 12 Mini. I'm a little bit annoyed it, with how they um, set up their tech specs page here. Normally, yeah. on like comparison pages, they'll have like the two phones' individual stats, and they even have it on the page listed like right and left. But if you go to the camera section, they place everything in the middle as if both phones share identical specs. But then when you actually read it, it you can see where stuff is like separate. Like it says iPhone 12 Pro Max does this, iPhone yep. 12 Pro does that. That kind of rubs me the wrong to, way. To get the different, to get the differences, you have to scroll all the way down on the actual 12 Pro page on Apple.com, and you click on the wide, and it says uh, 1.4. I forget what that, what that symbol is, but like. It's like, it's like a weird U. I think it's like ultra million, ultra meter pixels or nanometer pixels. Mm-hmm. That's basically the amount of space between the pixels. 
So, yeah. So that's where the big difference oh is. It's the space between the pixels, which means the sensor is larger, but they're both 12 megapixel cameras. And because the so the 12 Pro Max main shooter, the wide shooter, has more space between the pixels, means it lets in more light. And also it has a new optical image stabilization tech called sensor shift, where instead of there being a component on the lens yeah. that moves the lens it's with the motion called, of like, your optical hand. optical image stabilization technology, something like that. Yeah. They're shifting the physical sensor inside the camera module. It's only on that main shooter, though. They haven't brought sensor shift to the telephoto. They haven't brought it to the wide. In fact, the ultra-wide lens is still not optically stabilized. It doesn't really need to be because of how wide the field of view is, but... If I had to guess, because one of the things they said about why sensor shift is better is because um, the lens weighs more than the sensor. So even though this component might be more expensive, it's more accurate and than regular OIS because the component it's moving yeah. is You can almost think lighter. of it as being more agile than moving yeah. the optical sensor because of the weight. And then also, I don't know. Just be. I, I always kind of think this way. I always think in terms of uh, quality getting closer to the source, and I have no science to back that up. But like my my thinking goes, okay, well, if you're going to get closer to the center, the thing actually capturing the image, and you're moving that, I would presume that to be better than moving the medium through which the capturing uh, sensor is looking through. Yeah. So if I had to guess, this reminds me of the iPhone 6, 6 Plus, where the 6 Plus is the only one with optical image stabilization. Mm-hmm. And then... Once they had perfected that or gotten the component to be cheap enough on the 6S, the 6S, and the 6X Plus both had um, optical image stabilization. And then for, where, with the telephoto camera, the iPhone 10 had an optically stabilized telephoto, but the 8 Plus didn't. Mm-hmm. So, something This is kind of a, a little bit off topic, just slightly, but... It's interesting seeing how Apple has grown from, <clears throat> like, the Android market used to be saturated with, like, Samsung just kind of pulling out the A7, the A6, the A5, and, like, all these fucking different smartphones. And I think Apple has eventually wanted to get to this point, but unlike other manufacturers, they've taken a lot more thought into the devices they create year after year. And I I mean, like, this product line is damn impressive because of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, so getting back, so sensor shift... If I had to guess, I think this is going to be their new optical image stabilization tech. And I think part of the reason the ultrawide hasn't been optically stabilized until now is because the ultrawide lens they're using is too heavy to stabilize. And it's not worth it to them to go and buy stabilizers that can handle that lens. So they have this new expensive component with sensor shift where, let's say, if the stabilizer for the... Other cameras usually cost like one penny. Maybe this costs five cents. Yeah. You know, and they're waiting for the cost of this component to get down and also tuning and learning from it and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, so even thinking eventually, about like just how cameras work, if you want to move a component closer to the Yeah, I, I imagine that's, yeah. that's just more expensive. You have to be so, a lot more careful. Yeah. So my guess is by iPhone 13 or iPhone 14 all three cameras on the pro phones will use sensor shift OIS which will make all of them even better than they already are which is interesting so yeah so but like what this brings me to is like I don't think when you look at all three phones all sorry all four phones I I only think you can justify buying three of them and even then mm, the I know third which one, one you're living out 
Yeah. There's a bit of an asterisk. So the 12 and the 12 mini, I can recommend with no reservations. They're priced very well. Um, you get OLED. That's a size preference thing. You're, you're, you're literally just going like, okay, do you want a small phone or a bigger than small phone? Yeah, so yeah, I can I can recommend either of those. It's just which size do you want? You're getting OLED, you're getting a great camera, the price isn't too the price is pretty reasonable. Um and sure you're getting and also of course you're getting the power of Verizon wireless 5G. <laughs> you can listen, how dare you f- almost fail to mention the most important part of the new iPhone 12. <laughs> the way the uh just for a few seconds I have to say the confidence yeah. with which they spoke about 5G as if anyone listening could give a shit <laughs> about it. Amazing. Truly amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then the – but with the 12 especially, like the difference between the 12 and the 12 Pro, this is it. This is it. Is <laughs> the 12 Pro has an extra camera. And it has a, and it has two gigabytes more memory, and what that means is oh, you, and uh, you mean okay, you mean mem- literal memory RAM, like okay, yeah, RAM. Okay, yeah. It has two gigabytes more RAM than the than the iPhone 12, uh, and what that extra RAM gets you is where the iPhone 12 can record 4K HDR video at 30 frames per Ooh, second. The sucks, tw- stupid. Yeah, <laughs> the iPhone 12 Pro can record. HDR video at 4K 60 frames per second. Delicious. In 4K HD. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, what we deserve. It also, it also has a LiDAR sensor so that you can take nighttime portrait photos. Cool. <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it. There's also this cool. Apple Pro RAW. There's also this Pro RAW format that they're getting. No, there isn't. Which is, it's which, not out yet. It's not out yet, but, like, I'll get to that. Like, I think... If you are the type of person who cares about 4K HDR video shooting, if you're the type of person who cares about shooting raw photography on your phone, you sh- I would say then get the iPhone 12 Pro Max yes. because that has the objectively better camera system for those things. Like if I'm shooting a raw photo if I'm shooting a raw photo if you know anything about raw photography, you want as much light in that photo in all the data you're gathering. You want as much light as possible. Mm-hmm. You want as stable a photo as possible. You want as in focus a lens. <clears throat> yeah, I was just because like say, with like, raw photography, the stability too. Like the the one difference between the two phones that that sensor stabilizer is so, I, I mean, impressive. Yeah, and it's, the, it's it's the stabilization and it's the amount of light you're getting. Yeah. Those two things are crucial to shooting raw photography well. Yeah, and raw. I love editing raw photos. It's it's so cool the stuff that you can do with it and stuff in apps like a. a what a affinity photo but if i'm shooting raw i want as much light as possible and i want that photo to look as good as possible so that i have all that data right there and it looks like the 12 pro max is just going to get more data for it so like yes yeah, cool you can shoot raw on the 12 pro but you're going to be getting less data to work with than you would on a 12 pro max and i think if you are the person who likes to shoot photos on your camera sorry if you like oh, jesus christ <laughs> If you are the type of person who likes to shoot all your photos on your phone, you want the best camera possible so that those photos are as good as possible. I'm also thinking, like, this is probably the first time they showed some footage of uh, the cinema or or the uh, 4K HDR, um, like, kind of demo footage that they'd filmed. And this has got to be the first time I've actually been excited to see someone try to create a movie with an iPhone. I think now is actually the time where it could get, like, seriously impressive. Yeah. And yeah, and, and like the last thing I'll say is like the reason I say there's an asterisk on the 12 Pro Max is because for a thousand dollars, I believe 
you should be getting a 120 hertz refresh rate screen. Yeah, we completely avoided it just because I think we've been yeah. so like, first off, I never expected it just because all the leaks were like, it's not happening, shut up. And and then when it, it, it sucks, but yeah, it, it is a bit ridiculous that we're getting 60 hertz phones over $1,000 in 2020. <laughs> Yeah, like every other phone that costs a thousand dollars has a, has a one hundred and twenty hertz display or ninety, or at hertz, least but like at both least look... ninety hertz. I I would have accepted yeah. ninety hertz. I, I would have thought that yeah. would like be a nice compromise if they're not able to get like to one hundred twenty. But yeah, the the one plus eight pro, uh, the Samsung's Samsung's various thousand dollar phones, except the Galaxy Note twenty, which you shouldn't buy. Um, How does that not? <laughs> Because wow. it's the Gal- the Note Twenty Ultra has it, not the regular Note Twenty. That's, Don't buy the regular. That's Note amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. So you have all these phones that cost a thousand dollars, and they all have 120 hertz. The iPhone doesn't have it, but I think the camera improvements on the 12 Pro Max, and also of course the size and the materials, I think that makes where it's like. Yeah, it's it's eleven hundred dollars, but I'm getting this amazing camera. Maybe you can justify it there, but when you look at the $200 between the 12 and the 12 Pro, I don't think the difference is there. Like, unless You're not getting $200 who are, who, worth of features, in my opinion. Yeah. For two, a, a 120 hertz screen, that's $200 worth of features yes. right there, in my opinion. Yes. I think, yeah, if you want that size, yeah, I think it's worth paying $200 for that really nice screen. And also, you're getting an extra camera, more RAM, and all that. But for for $1,000, I think you should be getting 120 hertz. And that goes the same thing for the 12 Pro Max. But like I said, I think the cameras make it where, like, you're not getting totally ripped. Where if you buy the 12 Pro, the 6.1-inch 12 Pro, you're just getting bent over a barrel. Like, you, <laughs> I want that on the back of the box. A thousand, if you're spending $1,000 this on a phone this year, you should be getting a, you should be getting 120 hertz I, or at least the best camera possible. The 12 Pro has neither of those. I don't think people should be spending. This is off. This is off topic. This is not the official opinion of the podcast. This is Calvin's opinion. I don't think people should be spending a thousand dollars on a smartphone. I also, I also agree there. Let's just so. <laughs> you've already purchased your 12 Pro, right? Sorry, your 12. That's true. I got the 12. I did purchase the 12. Um, I went with the 24-month whatever. I am going to try to hang on to it for two years, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, And you got it on Apple. You bought it. Did you, were you able to get an Apple card when you checked out yes. or not? Yeah. I got approved for an Apple card, too. Once I got that, I was able to get um, the Apple Watch on the Apple card for 24 months. And then the AirPods Pro which I was planning on just paying in full, they were like, or you can do six months. And I'm like, oh, dang. Yeah, no, I'll do that. So splitting up that as well. Really flexible financing options. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like they want to sell phones to <laughs> But yeah, I, I'm like, literally I'm jumping head first. As soon as the HomePod Mini drops, I'm going to buy that. I have an Apple Watch coming. I have the iPhone coming. I'm, I'm fully in. I'm, I'm ready to immerse myself. <laughs> yeah. So here's, you're, this is going to confuse you a bit, but like I'll explain it. So I am either going to get the 12 mini or maybe the 12 pro max isn't that amazing basically yeah here's the way i'm leaning i'm leaning like isn't the 12 mini half the price of the 12 pro max you would be purchasing if not yes i'll explain why so i'm leaning like 40 percent keep my 11 pro and then 60 percent upgrade if I do upgrade, I'm like 70% 12, 30% 12 Pro Do you know Max. how leaning works? Isn't it just like I'm leaning towards one thing, not like three or four <laughs> different No, I'm leaning towards one of two possibilities. Okay. And then within the other possibility, if I do go there, that's where I'm leaning. All right, go ahead and continue. So, 
the the reason is like I'm the type of person like my hands are like average size. Mm-hmm. I either want my phone to be easily one handable, like so small I can use it with one hand, no problem. Or I want it to be so big that I ha- always have to use two hands with it, but it's comfortable to use it with two hands. I think the, that's a reasonable point, uh, request. Yeah. Yeah. The 5.8 inch iPhone 11 Pro, when I I can't use this thing with one hand. It's still too big. It's it's still too tall for that. Mm-hmm. But if I use it with two hands, my thumbs are so close together using this thing with two hands, it's not comfortable. I get like I get like cramps in my thumbs sometimes if I use it with two hands for too long. Okay. So I can't do either of that. And this is the and the reason I bought this phone is because it was smaller. I wanted smaller because the 10s Max size that was too big for me. Yeah, that was like that's still so the 12 Pro Max. It's a little bit wider and it's also taller. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping maybe the 12 Pro Max is going to be the right size to I, use. It with I have two to say a few things to you. I have to say a few things to you. The first thing I have yeah. to say. Um, Apple Pro Raw. It's not even out yet. <laughs> that's that's gonna I'm be. I'm not getting. I'm, I'm not getting it for Pro Raw. Like I would only get it because of the size and because T-Mobile's giving you an extra hundred and fifty dollars if you trade in on top of what Apple's already giving me for my phone. So like okay. the extra one fifty for like I was leaning like ninety percent twelve mini, and then T-Mobile said we'll give you an extra one fifty. Here's that extra one fifty makes the twelve Pro Max a little bit more justifiable for me. But like most, yeah. <laughs> here's, here's the other part. Uh, this this 12 Pro Max. What happens when the when the 13 comes out with 120 hertz? Exactly. That's the other <laughs> and there's a 13 mini, and there's a 13 mini yeah. with 120 hertz for 500 bucks. Yeah, that's that's and honestly, like that's the biggest reason that I'm probably just gonna get the mini is because if I want to upgrade every year, it would make more sense to get the cheaper. Like if I'm going to spend 1100 dollars on a phone. Um, because I want the big honker, mm-hmm. I would like it to have 120 hertz. Like, I, I'm not going to use the cameras enough on the 12 Pro Max. Like, let's say the screen size is perfect for me, mm-hmm. and I can hold it perfectly. I can use it with two hands, and it's very comfortable. Because I know I'm going to be able to handle the 12 Mini with one hand, and I'm going to love it. But the 12 Pro Max, I haven't felt it yet, but maybe it is the right size. Let's say it is the right size for me. Even if it is the right size for me, um, I'm not going to use the cameras enough to justify the rest of the money I spent on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would at least like it to have 120 hertz. And I would say so every I'm... time you notice you're looking at a 60 hertz screen, you're also going to think about how much you paid for that 60 hertz screen. <laughs> yeah. Well, like you're saying, I'm a sucker. So what I would just do is, to- is trade in whatever phone I buy this year for next year's phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would and put I more so- money towards it. That would definitely put more money towards like a 13 mini. But I would still, if you do the math, like you're still spending more if you you buy the thousand dollar phone two years in a row even if you do get a trade-in to to eat that cost i, I also bit. believe that is the case <laughs> yeah so yeah most likely i'm getting a 12 mini um you want to talk about magsafe for a bit because you were Ooh. very excited by magsafe i, I haven't I was even mentioned expecting. magsafe that that has got to be of everything announced and I, I think this was the thing that excited me the most and i was quite excited about the oled panel um but the this new, not new, but if, if you're someone who has ever used a MacBook Pro from like the mid 2000s to the mid 2010s, then you've most likely seen this like little magnetic charger cable they have where you can just kind of flick it into place and it attaches. And then if you like brush up against it or trip on it or something, rather than your laptop like fucking just flying across the room, it just detaches itself. And that whole thing was called MagSafe and then they went away with it. But at this new iPhone um, conference, they talked about MagSafe on the iPhone, and it seems like almost like an evolution of that technology. It's no longer really about, you know, accidentally tripping over a cable. It's more about securely attaching 
either um, wireless charging devices to get optimal speeds from them or uh, accessories that can connect to the phone and interact with it in various ways or just like a dock essentially for charging. Yeah, so Yeah, so currently there is no data layer on on it, but we'll get to we'll get to that because I have a I have a prediction, but <laughs> the uh Right now what MagSafe is, is it's A, magnets that just let you stick the phone to shit. So, you know, a pop socket or a car vent mount that just, it's strong magnets that you pop the phone into that. But, and it's also a way to get 15 watt wireless charging onto the iPhone because 15 watt wireless charge. Oh, no, no, that's plugged. That's wired charging. So, yeah, so the iPhone used to be, they could charge at 20 watts for wired and 7.5 watts for wireless. Um, now it's 15 watts wireless if you're using MagSafe and 20 watts wired. So they're getting those two things closer together. Here's the other thing. There's a data layer in there where there's an NFC reader inside the phone on the coil. And then also there's one, I assume in the cable. So that data layer allows some level of communication between the, uh, the pad and the phone. So I wouldn't be shocked if MagSafe is a little bit more energy efficient than current Qi charging. Cause Qi charging is way more energy inefficient than plugging in a wire. It, it, it's almost like, in my opinion, MagSafe is the future of wireless charging period. Because when you think about wireless charging, the problem has always been that there is an optimal point, but the user is rarely ever going to know what that point is. So certain like kind of uh, caps need to be put in place so that everyone gets the same you know, treatment when they use the device because we're not going to know if a user is going to be using it optimally. But in this case, we can assume the position every single user is going to have with the wireless charger and its dock and thus attribute all energy you know, capable at that position to the product and not have to like, you know, cap it any lower or something. Yeah. And if you're losing less energy to heat too, that would also be a benefit, but there is not a data layer. So there's not, I shouldn't have said data layer. There's not a community. There's not a, there's currently a communication layer there with that NFC tag yeah. that just lets the pad and the phone stay in constant communication. I think on a commercial, it showed like connected to duo or like connected to the stock, you know, so kind of simple yeah. markers like that. Yeah, the pad can tell the phone how much power it has available. The phone can say how much power it needs, Mm -hmm. and it just makes that a more efficient process. Because right now, all that she currently has is a very basic communication layer where the phone can tell the pad when it's done charging. So if you have a pad with an LED on it, when your phone is done charging, the LED will turn from red to green. Um, the iPhone never integrated that part of Qi. So if you put an iPhone on a Qi pad with a light on it, it would just stay green the whole time. You have to actually check the phone to see when you were done charging. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. So now that communication, the phone can draw way less power when it's fully charged and it can just turn the pad to a trickle. So that will be more efficient. I, if assuming they do that, of course, mm-hmm. um, my prediction, though, is I think by iPhone 13 or 14, they're going to add a data layer to MagSafe, and there will not be a port on the iPhone. Yeah. You are just going to snap a magnetic thing to the back of your phone, and there will be some kind of USB 4 interface integrated into MagSafe, and that's how you're going to plug your phone into your car for CarPlay. Because if they kill the port and there isn't a data layer in MagSafe where I can plug a thing into my car... um. I'm not going to be able to buy the new iPhone because I don't have a car with wireless CarPlay. I don't think anyone does yet. Like, they're they're still, like, just now coming out. 
There's a handful of BMWs that have it, and like the new Porsche Taycan has it. Oh, like, yeah, all right, it's a real mass market then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't think there's a single consumer vehicle that has both a wireless charger and wireless carplay there are lots of consumer vehicles with wireless charger but they all have wired carplay it's ridiculous yeah. when i was shopping for a car um the kia soul that i was looking not the kia the kia nero ev that i was looking at had you could pay more for the premium version with a wireless charger but it was still wired carplay and my chevy bolt which i ended up going with um it's still old-fashioned wired carplay so if if I wanted, let's if I'm using this car in three years, which I will be, it's a lease. Um, <laughs> if I'm using this car in three years, and the new iPhone has a doesn't have a port, and there's no data layer in MagSafe to plug it into my car, I can't get the new iPhone because I love CarPlay in my car. Part of the reason I got this iPhone this year too, I think, was partially thinking that I think the next one's going to be portless because th- they always do it earlier than they should. Because they always want to, yeah. they want to move things. They just want to shift everyone, and so they just force like the everything to change. So I could see the iPhone 13 coming out portless, and then yeah, and I and I know they love wireless like, stuff in in uh whatever. Yeah, and I know they want to use like cloud and AirPlay for stuff like file transfers, but like it is still important to have a physical connection to your vehicle because most cars don't have wireless carplay yeah and people hang on to cars for a lot longer than they hang on to phones. I feel like they did not think that through at all. <laughs> yeah, but like, like, like all they all they need to do to put a data layer into MagSafe is just put pogo pins on the cases and the uh, it's like some kind of pogo pin or something or like increased or like some kind of new NFC standard that works over USB. Like, I'm sure they can do it, yeah. but it's just a matter of will they or will they say, nope, you, uh, you use wireless CarPlay and this is just for fast charging. And that's all you get. That's all you get. I, that would be in, if the only way you can get data off of an iPhone onto another device is over AirPlay, that would be insanity. I'm going to go. I'm going to bet that's where they're going. I don't think they're sorry. Gonna... Not AirPlay, not AirPlay, AirDrop. The, the reason I don't yeah. think they're going to invest is, is because when you think about what MagSafe is, it basically is wired charging. <laughs> Like, because because at the end of the day, you are sticking a cable to your phone, and there's a cable running from your phone to the power brick. And if you disconnect that cable from your phone, then it's no longer charging. So I don't know. Yeah. I I don't see them adding a data layer to that. Yeah, we'll we'll see. I really I really hope they add a data layer. Like it would like if there are lots of people who shoot photography on an iPhone and then they edit those photos on a a windows pc Did you not watch the those conference? people need those people need a data layer. you don't watch the conference i watched that's what 5g's for <laughs> 5g file tra- 5g yeah, yeah. no like if if they yeah if they drop the port and they don't add data to magsafe then huge foul bad move bad for consumers what if they had uh, two 5g's what if they're like last year we had a phone with one 5g and this year you're in, we doubled it <laughs> You got it. 25 G. You got yeah, yeah, twice the 5G. <laughs> 5G times 5. Oh, there we go. 5 times the 5G. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Uh cool. I think that's all the time we have today. Yeah. Oh gosh, that went longer than I expected, but I I, I the last thing I'll say is um just that like I'm probably going to have a few things to say about the iPhone next time we talk. Um Oh yeah, yeah. You'll I mean you'll have your phone next week, mm-hmm. and I will have my. I mean, 
I'm pre-ordering the 12 mini, so that is like the first week of November, so I'll have it like second week of November. I think you're going to be happy you did that. I don't I don't think you're going to regret pre-ordering the 12 Oh, no, mini. no. Like, I very much want the small phone because like small phones are great to go running with and they're great to just, you know, hold and use in your everyday life. Like, would I like the big screen with 120 hertz? Yes, but we don't have that yet. Yeah. And I don't need the new cameras. <laughs> so I'll just, I'll do tiny phone for a year and then if they put 120 hertz in the 13 Pro Max or whatever they call it, then I will... I will do that. I, I can't oh, They have it in the iPads. How are they not? I, I could talk for hours, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'll have, I'll have more to say about that. And then uh, we didn't really get into it too much, but we'll probably talk about some other stuff next time as well. Some other tech cool. stuff until, until then I've been Samuel. I've been Calvin.